Welcome to DTC Pod, where we take you behind the wheel with the best founders and operators of consumer brands. You'll learn the ins and outs of business from setting up shop, hitting your first million, scaling past eight figures, and even navigating an exit. As founders ourselves, our goal is to help you learn from the best as you build. Visit us at DTCPod.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter, join our founder community, and find additional resources from every episode. DTC Pod is brought to you by Trend, the creative solution for your brand. Go to trend.io to access thousands of creators for content needs such as product photography, unboxing videos, or even TikTok and IG organic creative. Use the code DTCPOD10 for 10% off your next content purchase. As a D2C brand, you need real-time financial visibility to save money and make better decisions. Waiting for books from slow and expensive bookkeepers that don't get e-commerce is slowing you down. Trusted by hundreds of brands, Finaloop is a real-time accounting service built by D2C founders for D2C founders. Try Finaloop completely free, no credit card required. Just visit finaloop.com slash D2C pod and get 14 days free and a two-month P&L within 24 hours with all the e-com data and breakdowns you need to crush it. What's up, DTC pod? Today, we're joined by Frank Farisi, who is the CEO and co-founder of XGen AI. Um, so I've been really excited for this episode for a while now, Frank. Um, I know AI is all the rage in just about everything, but we've been chatting for a while and you've been building in the AI space in the enterprise retail e-commerce space for a while now. One of the most cutting edge products, um, working with some of the biggest brands on the planet. So uh, you know, without any further ado, I'll let you kick it off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and XGen? Awesome. Thank you, Blaine. Great, great, great for having, for being here. And thank you very much for inviting me. Um, yeah, I mean, so XGen's journey started uh, really in earnest, like early 2020, uh, 2019 with inception of kind of concept. Um, it's really simple. We're, we're essentially providing uh, enterprise brands with complete uh, autonomous autonomy behind the deployment of machine learning systems and pipelines to their challenges that they face in the e-commerce domain. Um, you know, all these, all these companies, single brands or multi-brands do not have the capabilities to hire their own dev teams to deploy like real modern ML tools to their problems. So uh, our platform really enables them to do that without uh, any or hardly any spin up at all from their side um, and driving immense value. Um, so, you know, it started off as just like you said, kind of a complicated uh, discovery process and sales process because people didn't really understand what we did. Uh, we kind of caught the tailwind here pretty nicely and people are jumping on the bandwagon at a rapid rate. So it's exciting times. Isn't it funny how that happens? It seems like, you know, you're trying to sell something. It's not in vogue. It's not what everyone's talking about. And all of a sudden, you know, you catch the right wave and everyone's like, wait a minute, you're the AI guy. You've been telling me about this for a couple of years now. Uh, let's talk. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, yeah, I mean, tech is is super fad driven a lot of time on the consumer side or B two B consumer side, right? Um, you know, customers they hear keywords that trigger them into a buying pattern, um, and you know, if you're if you're in the right place at the right time with a product that actually drives ROI, even in the down market, you're you're, you're kind of in a good place. So, just going to keep pushing. Absolutely. So, one of the reasons I was really excited to have you on the show is because there's a lot of people these days that are talking about AI. Um, you know, a lot of different influencers, creators, and all this sort of thing. And we've been waiting to do a proper AI episode 
in e-commerce, but I said, I'm not going to do one until I talk with Frank because Frank knows more about AI and e-commerce than literally anyone on the planet. So what I'd love to... <laughs> Maybe love not, to but do... I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> what I'd love to do in this episode is kind of use this as like a little bit of a crash course in terms of like educating people about what AI in e-commerce is, what the capabilities are, right? How they can be, um, you know, how e-commerce operators should be thinking about using AIs within their store and maybe some of the capabilities, what it's really good at, what it's not so good at um, and everything like that. And I think you're the right person to do it. So why don't we just start with at a really high level, what what is this like step function we've seen with AI and machine learning? If you could just explain, um, you know, the technology, the technological developments that have led us to be able to employ AI into specific use cases like we're starting to see. Yeah, I mean, I think that this has been going on for some time, right? Like what we're seeing now is, you know, let's face it, it's driven by open AI recently, right? It's the, the, the kind of genesis of this massive global surge of interest. Um, but it, it's been going on for quite some time. Like even when I started, you know, certain cloud services were not even up to par to do what we do today. Right. Or, or if they were the cost to, you know, the ROI model for us internally was not optimum, meaning it wasn't even effective to build a solution back then with certain tools. Um, so I think this has been going on for quite some time and, um, what we're seeing now this kind of push is obviously generative AI, right? It's it's the capabilities to generate text, images, whatever you're doing, um, with a considerable increase in accuracy towards what a human would do, right? Um, it's just the th the thing people have to understand is, you know, the the model or the heart of AI systems, the model is what everyone calls the algorithm. It's the, uh, you know, what the, what the actual artificial, the intelligence is behind AI, right? Um, th there's, there's advancements happening on this all the time, right? MIT's all over research on this constantly, constantly producing white papers. OpenAI is a, is a big leader in the space. There's many, many different like entities that are doing this. Um, and I think that large language models and generative AIs definitely had a massive lift from recent developments from open AI. Um, and I, I, but what I, what I, what I feel like is this is the first time that you're truly seeing uh, general population uh, accessibility to artificial intelligence in a way that I've never seen before. Right. Um, I, I think you can look back, you know, several years into the past and look at certain systems like, Google, or sorry, DeepMind, acquired by Google, DeepMind's AlphaGo system. I mean, that was absolutely groundbreaking. You know, the Atari project that preceded that, where, you know, reinforcement learning was capable of playing video games on the Atari console, video games, right? Autonomously, just give it the inputs, the outputs, and make it learn how to increase the score, right? Um, but that's not something that is like that fad-driven. And now all of a sudden you release a platform where anyone can go and chat with it. It's like, oh, wow, Skynet's coming, right? So I, I think that, um, I, I think, yes, there's definitely, like, not to knock on the advancements, because they're obviously huge, right? And it's really impressive what's occurred recently, but I don't think it's anything new that we've seen such big advancements. No, absolutely. And that's kind of what I wanted to get into in terms of the language models right like language models are a huge consumer use case because now you can interact with them and everyone's starting to see all the consumer use cases that are enabled by these language models and i think like when we were at gpt3 
we saw GPT-3 work. It worked well, but it wasn't like it, still you needed a whole bunch of human cleanup and it wasn't like you knew you were talking to a robot. And then as uh, you started to get to like chat GPT when they came out in Turbo 3.5, all of a sudden that started to reach the uncanny level of, wait a minute, this is just as good, if not better in a lot of cases than um, you know, a human working with it. And then we, we saw GPT-4 come along as well. So I think it's really easy, interesting to see, like you're seeing it, you've been working in this space for a really long time. So you've been seeing all the developments, but then on the consumers, right? It just, it hits that inflection point where you've given them a pl place where they can interact with the, the technology and the actual like language models have improved to the, in terms of their accuracy to the point where people are just like, okay, now I totally get this. This is just crazy, right? Um, so let's take a step backward. Let's, let's go into e-commerce. Let's talk about all the different applications of AI in e-commerce. If you're a store operator, what are they? You guys at XGen obviously cover a huge component. One of the reasons I love what you guys are building is because you guys literally use AI to drive conversion, which is <laughs> a, you know, half or more of the game, uh, of e-commerce, but like, what are all, all the other applications as well, right? Um, language models, maybe image generation, all the other things. Like how, if you're an operator at an e-commerce store, how are you thinking about AI and what are some of the different tools that you can bring into your tool set? Yeah, really good questions. Um, I mean, look, first of all, the, the reason we started off in the conversion side is because it provides direct ROI. When you're selling a SaaS product, obviously to an e-com team, digital team, direct ROI, visible monetary lift is obviously kind of the, the epicenter where you want to be as far as product goes. Um, but the, the way I look at AI as far as like use cases, yes. I mean, a lot of people attempt to group this, right? So you can go predictive analytics, ERP, you know, CRM enrichment, uh, CRM predictions. Um, you can get into, you know, the personalization side. So product recs, content recs, um, you know, email generation, text generation for emails. I mean, you know, marketing, when should things fire? Like you can, this really can get endless. And, and the problem I see is that people try to group this into like succinct categories, but, and yes, that's somewhat the case, but also think about this, right? Like when, if you take code as a general concept, right? Coding on the front end to build websites, apps, whatever you're doing. And then the back end, if you're a developer, it's really a creative tool to do what you want ultimately, right? Or fix some solution. So as opposed to looking at AI as like, you know, plug and play into whatever you want, meaning like, okay, this, this, this AI tool fixes blah, this AI tool fixes, you know, this other component on e-commerce, right? The way, the way I, I think about this is it's, it's really a new tool that these teams need to understand how they operate and how they can use them and use them in a way that best suits them, Right. The problem is that no one knows how to use it, honestly. No one knows how to deploy it. No one knows how to operate it, right? So, you know, and that's exactly what we do, right? We automate that process so they can do that where they see fit. So, and when I talk to e-com teams, what really kind of sticks to them the most is like, think about, think about if you're a developer and you're building stuff, you can really do what you want, right? And you can, you can do things, you can automate things. Code is amazing at automating process, right? Like, Everything we do in the computer science domain is there to ultimately automate, build functionality, et cetera, et cetera. When it comes to AI, 
your ultimate goal here is prediction first and foremost, but two, building the right systems to automate. So what does that really mean? Well, it really means you're building workers to do your job, right? And and, and I say that tentatively because, you know, I know it's like a bit of a, a sour subject these days, but think about this, right? If you're an e-com manager and you have, you know, X duties on your job description, um, most of these people are getting like 10% of that done, right? It's just madness. Like the, they're overworked. They, there's too There's too much to do. The amount of revenue going through their platforms is absurd versus how many employees they have against retail, for instance. Um, so to them, it's really about, hey, look, you can finally deploy, train, teach, and deploy workers to do what you need to do, either to automate your features and your work your workflow, or to make it better, or to do it at a more personal level to the end consumer than you've ever done before. So, you know, use cases surrounding this again, there's there's like hundreds in my opinion, right? But again, I I really, what I'm trying to, on a mission to do is really teach the market that it's not about, it's not a modular approach. It's not like this SaaS approach. It's like, I want a widget that does X and I want another widget that does Y. No, what's your challenge Cool. Here's the tool to deploy AI systems to your specific challenge. And that's that's where I think the future is. Yeah, and I totally agree with that because I think as we see all these tools popping up, they all might do one really specific thing and one narrow thing, but then you end up with a f- totally fragmented workflow where you're using one AI tool to do this, one AI tool to solve another problem. And the next thing you know, like your work processes are totally broken and then those tools aren't communicating with each other and then you're even more confused uh, than you were when when you started out. So um, why don't you talk to me a little bit about maybe your guys' approach at XGen, right? Like when you're saying you're building the, uh, you know, the AI or machine learning platform for modern e-commerce teams, like what does that mean? What does that mean for an e-commerce manager how do they use XGen? How do they deploy it? Like, what is in like the simplest way possible? What do you guys do for for e-commerce teams? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, in order to understand that you, what we do, just let's quickly take a snapshot of the status quo here, right? Um, these teams are used to buying a SaaS solution to solve a single problem, right? It's like you know, our email, our cart checkout, or abandoned emails need to be automated. Cool, it's buy a tool to do that. Um, our pop-ups suck, so let's get something better. We'll buy a plugin to do that, right? So, so with Action AI, you know what I found is obviously any SaaS platform these days, at least ninety-nine percent, is going to include some format of AI, right? But the big difference here is who who's controlling these systems, right? If we as a society are starting to put artificial intelligence at the forefront of controlling what we do what our consumers do, what we show consumers, how we operate our business, I, you know, the thought starts to cross your mind is, should we really not be seeing what's going on? Should we just be openly trusting another platform to do black box what we should be making decisions on, right? And that's what a lot of the hang up in the past I've seen in these solutions is like, there's no transparency about what's going on. Um, but also when you look behind the scenes and you start to understand the deployment of ML machine learning systems to problems, you also understand that like the the way you dial these systems in is super complex in some scenarios, right? Uh, a, a lot of people don't understand that like AI is at, at its more advanced stages. It's not like 
some automated system you just drop in and yay everything's happy no there's a lot of people working on those things to make them happy some on a daily basis some on an hourly basis right like we're we're a long way from dropping a robot off somewhere and being like cool it's happy let it let it learn for the rest of its life right so so in that light if you're if you're building solutions in the past and you know that complex machine learning can take a lot of a big a larger workforce with a higher expertise level to operate it naturally in this you know you know pnl driven society you're gonna cut corners right you're gonna look for the option that has the lowest possible cloud compute component um etc etc so with us you know the, the 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 real power or value that i saw was basically saying hey what if you could actually just expose that to the customer right what if you could just show them how to operate it in an incredibly dumbed down way right um and and start by saying okay you don't know anything about ml you can deploy ml systems through our platform and what like if you don't know anything okay you can basically set it like a black box right so everything's automated but the real value here is as time goes on especially enterprise you know trends are typically driven at the enterprise and trickle on down through the smb in my opinion in a lot of especially in tech right so you look at this and you say okay so one of the trends i'm seeing is that uh retail brands are starting to hire ai teams right which is this is new okay and not not necessarily big brands brands doing anywhere from 100 to 200 online um and you start to see two or three either data scientists ml engineers whatever they're calling them right um and and you ask them you know hey what are you guys doing here and they're like well we're just analyzing data and like okay here's a tool that's fully autonomous but if you start to uncheck or or to automation you can tweak anything you want and they're like wait a second this is what all those awesome developers are doing at the advanced level but with action ai you can match your skill sets to what's available and configure it so that either it's fully autonomous or like 20 percent or 50 percent, and you're good to go and the end goal with this is that we push everyone towards full configurability meaning we want democratization machine learning we want them deploying systems to their environment where they are fully in control um you know, I do see a world where business in the future where businesses are driven by humans. I, I believe that is the case for a long, long time. Um, it's just too too complex a decision process right now. But for all the workhorse stuff, AI should be being used, controlled, and fully configured by the people who are running those businesses, not by some unknown SaaS company that's really just trying to fit everyone into one box, right? Yeah, and I think that's an also a really good point about what the role of the human with the AI is. The AI is a great way to think about it is the workhorse, but if you're not setting that workhorse in the right direction and you're not tasking it with the right things, like like you were saying, the decision processor, there's so many like different levels that you go through where, and I think you see it, a, a good example is like the AI agent stuff that's come out, right? Like, sure, you have all these autonomous AI agents that you can set after a task and they'll evaluate how they're doing and they'll keep executing but like at a certain point you almost like realize you're like oh wow my my open ai bill is going way up and like i don't know if i can really use any of these outputs right so um so i think one really interesting thing that you just mentioned about how you guys are thinking about ai is the is giving not only the the teams the tools to be able to use them but also 
um, you said something very interesting about like analysts, right? Data analysts. It seems like every brand wants to like analyze data, but like taking action on that data a lot of times requires coordination and execution and a whole bunch of other things. So one thing that I think is really cool about XGen, and I'd love for you to talk about this um, next, is when you guys say that you're kind of bridging that gap between um, not only understanding what's going on in the data, but also like using the AI, AI and the ML to like drive conversion and drive action. Like, what does that really mean? Because when I've seen you guys run things, it basically means you can make the decisions and you can help tune in a couple different uh, things about the platform. But ultimately, XGen's doing a lot of, all the work for you in terms of generating the cells and converting revenue. So yeah, I would love for you to just talk about what that looks like. Yeah, I mean, look, so we launched we launched our tool really in the initial stages focused entirely on the user experience, right? So what are your shoppers doing when they're coming to your digital environment? Um, and if you look at that world of optimizing for conversion rate, personalization, uh, adapting for geolocation, whatever you're trying to do, um, you know, marketing funnel, posts, uh, post site touch point, not upstream of X, we don't do that. You, you've really got this like you start to look and it's like there's a huge amount of decisions to make right um and if you really dig into e-commerce what's amazing about this is the amount of data you have is unbelievable like it's an incredibly data-rich environment um so for us you know it became like well okay so you, you're trying to deploy product recommendations, right? And and you're, you're coming into an environment where some people are like, oh yeah, we just deployed like best sellers, which is basically saying what's selling the most that day and showing that to all of your million shoppers on your site that day, right? Then some more sophisticated systems came out. But again, like even with AI coming into that specific use case, it really became like a clustering of behavior or a regression, you know, actually we'll skip that, more, more like a, a, a simplified way of decisioning where someone should sit as far as the experience you show them, right? So, but, you know, and this is where it gets really interesting. If you look at like what Amazon.com is doing, who has access to like basically unlimited resources in terms of their developers and tech, right? They're deploying like really deep, sophisticated AI systems, right? And, you know, if you compare that to the SaaS category now, it's like you're, you're basically going to tap into a black box to run your product recommendations. Um, you don't know what's going on. And, you know, this platform was built six years ago and it's trade secret as to what they're using, what's going on behind the curtain. So the one thing I can tell you is it's probably locked in time. Like, it's not much happening in terms of changing over time to that SaaS tech, right? Maybe yes, maybe no. I'm, I'm going to vote no. <laughs> so, but then you look at Amazon.com and it's like, well, no one has the budget to spin up a dev team. But the difference in technologies in three years is huge, right? Like massive. I mean, you should see some of the stuff that comes out from MIT on even like, you know, uh, recommendations sometimes. It's, it's, it's profound. So the difference here is the time to usability. MIT releases a white paper. You're not going to see that hit SAS for a long, long time if it is effective, right? So, so then you start to look at, again, going back to Amazon.com, they're like predicting use, like you got a million users on the site. They're predicting every single one of them uniquely what they're about to do over the next you know, two to four minutes on the site. And they can literally play chess with that customer to get them to convert. Hey, if we show them this product here, 
and there and then there and then do it in a certain sequence. Ooh, the, the probability for that user to buy goes way up, right? And that's why, you know, they announced like, hey, 20 to 30% of our, you know, REC strategy is, is uh, sorry, 20 to 30% of their revenue increase is attributed to their REC strategy, right? It's like, wow. Um, so going back to that, you, you, you know, SaaS, uh, sorry, existing companies or customers that we talk to do not have the capabilities to do that, right? Um, and you even find some heroic internal efforts of like some like lone developer spinning up some like actual like real time prediction system to do this and have done a great job. But the, the difference here is as opposed to focusing on the algorithm, which AI always used to be about when you talk to these guys, right? Which is the model. It's really about like, hey, you should have a toolkit to do this, right? And, and th those tools should include stuff that came out like a month ago out of R&D. Because if you don't have that, you're going to get left in the dust really, really quick. Um, so our philosophy is, hey, let's stay on top of tech. We know what we're doing. We know about AI technology. We will make that available to you in a toolkit of things that you can use, all kinds of different stuff. Um, and you can play around and deploy what's best for you. Of course, of course, our support team will help you and guide you, but that, that's the general philosophy. So, you know, you, you, we, you can test this time and time again. Take a modern neural network, right? Like a, like a really sophisticated neural network, you know, plug in all the user data, you know, CDP, customer data platform data, um, and then, you know, take the entire product catalog. You can literally do things like rank 500,000 products 10 times a second to every single visitor on your site, right? And, and that basically means that 500,000 combinations of stuff is is completely unique for every visitor every tenth of a second, right? And that, we're talking next level stuff at this point, right? So to to empower brands to leverage that is really exciting to me because, again, it's out of reach. But with tools like this, you know, and again, Blaine, it, it's following a trend, right? Like go back 10 years, 15 years not everyone could deploy ML as a developer, right? Now you've got all these tools where it's like, oh, you've got Amazon AWS SageMaker. It's super easy, you know, AWS Personalize, like plug and play backend services you just throw in there. Oh, cool, we're getting blah, right? So our aim is to bring that to people who don't understand a line of code. Yeah, and I think that's the really big distinction because while a tool like SageMaker, for example, might be great if you've got that whole dev team that you're supporting who knows how to like build out your stuff, great, go ahead and build it. But not only is it gonna be expensive for you to create, it's gonna be, the labor is gonna be expensive, building it's gonna be hard, maintaining it's gonna be hard, keeping up with industry standards is gonna be hard. So it seems like, at least from what, from what you guys are building, like you always hear about the build versus buy argument. This one's like, for at least in my mind, this is like the biggest no brainer because Again, like you're saying, it's not just about that. What your job is, is being not only building all the models, understanding how this game of, I like how you put it, the, you know, you guys are almost enabling brands to play chess with their customers with the, with the goal being conversion, right? I think that's, that's a great way to think about it. Um, but it just seems like this is one of those things where it's hard enough to, for an e-com team to like, manage a whole dev operation let alone spin up like their own personalized recommendation system and then their own um their own ai tools to to do exactly what what you guys are are able to provide so the next question i'd have in uh, on the back of that i'd love to talk about how this actually works in practice for some of the 
customers that are using you guys. I think it's really cool because I've had a chance to play around with it and also, um, you know, talk with brands who have like implemented you guys. I think one of the coolest thing, and I'll just break it down for the customers and then you can provide some color as well. But basically the way it works and the way I've experienced it is you will land on uh, an e-commerce site, whether it's the site or a specific PDP. And what XGen is doing is basically based uh, in real time, based on where you're clicking, how you're interacting with the site, it's serving you re recommendations in real time. So when I go experience the site of, for example, Valentino, one of the brands that you guys work with, and if you were to start browsing that site, we're going to have totally different experiences in real time based on uh, you know, whatever AI thinks the best way it is to get Blaine to convert and to get Frank to convert. Is that, is that an accurate way of describing the, the user experience at least? Yeah. So, so from our user prediction pipelines, which that sits under, which is predicting shoppers for various purposes in the context, when you apply that to recommendations or product recommendations, um, outside of other stuff, we do like image recognition or, you know, some of the chat tools we use, um, for the recommendation system, basically, you know, and, and again, it comes down to the model you're using, right? Um, but the framework that we put these models into allows for it to solve, it, basically the, the model's job is to solve the problem of, you know, you've got a million users on your site, right? Um, and you've got maybe 30 locations across the homepage, the category page, product detail page, um, you know, car flyout. Uh, check out or, or car, uh, actual um, uh, cart page, um, you know, maybe some personalized experience pages, a whole pile of stuff, right? So in product discovery, you know, the the context has always been quite cloudy surrounding like, okay, you know, like a, a lot of the focus a few years ago was like, okay, if you are a first-time visitor, you should get at this experience, right? And And that does make sense, but the question is, well, why should I be grouped in the same category as 500,000 people right now, right? So, you know, and, and then, you know, this in that specific personalization domain, we took this huge dive into like capturing identifiers, right? So like, let's authenticate, let's grab your email address. Oh, let's actually put a cookie on there. Ooh, let's grab some third party cookies across device or, or across platforms and identify you. Um, and, and the thing I always come back to is, is a retail analogy, right? It's like you walk into a, uh, a an apparel store and can you imagine if someone walked up to you and be like, what's your IP address? Give me your credit card before you even look at any products, right? You'd be like, I'm out. So, so the context here is like, okay, let's compare this to real world. What happens in a luxury boutique? Let, let's call it like Gucci, right? You go in there and the trained sales associate is going to be so good that they're watching everything you're doing, the, the, the color of the item you're picking up, the category, the metal, all these things. So, and then they can educatedly guide you towards helping you to find the right thing, right? As opposed to saying, are you a first time buyer? Good. Go through door one, right? Which is like a warehouse full of shit, right? Um, so that, that context is a little bit, um, you know, not really the way the world should work. So what with our models, what, what you're capable of doing is basically taking all the products you have on site, taking all the interactions from that user in real time, enriching the product side. So like what is the color, the, the category, you know, the weight, all these different things that could lead up to a buyer or shopper making decisions and predict every single outcome across every single one of these categories to basically rank 
the entire offering to you from one to 500,000 in terms of products as to what is the most likely to convert you right now, right? And then show that and then adapt that in real time. So every interaction a user creates, it, it morphs and changes as you go throughout the site. So, you know, and, and that, first of all, is an incredibly powerful tool, right? Because obviously no experience, you have a million people on site, no one's going to see the same thing ever. And also you're not going to the same thing every every page you go to, it's going to adapt and morph as you go. But more importantly, um, you know, in, in running complex AI models on problems like this, what you start to see is shopping is actually like a chess game literally right it's like it's a it's a series of moves that if you do it the right way you will bring that person a lot closer to buying versus if you do it the wrong way you're going to bounce them right so that is what these these systems are capable of doing is predicting the journey and adapting it for every single visitor uniquely right which so that that in that pipeline or that use case that's what our our models and ML ML automation can do, right? You know, I've seen this work at scale and what it can do is absolutely crazy, but I'd be curious because a lot of our listeners, right, they're um, building, you know, they might be starting up a brand, maybe they're, you know, going 10 million to 50 million, 50 to 100. So maybe on the s smaller scale of like ultimately scaling these big commerce operations. But I'd love to know, why don't you talk to me about from that perspective? Do you guys support Shopify? Have you seen any success for these sort of catalogs? I know you guys are really focused on the enterprise, but just talk to me about, A, if you offer any solutions for Shopify or Shopify Plus brands, or B, you know, what the AI strategy is for those who maybe don't have, you know, a thousand products in their catalog, but maybe do have a whole bunch where AI and personalization becomes really relevant to the experience. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. Uh, yes, we definitely work with Shopify um, customers on the Shopify platform, Shopify Plus mainly. Um, the you know the the thing I would say, you know, obviously we do focus on enterprise, and we do intend to bring out you know uh, tools for you know oh, blame the the smaller the data from these customers, right? The, the the less you have at your disposal to use, right? However, that said, what I do find later on, like they, for, from for brands' perspective who are growing an e-commerce business, what I what I would implore them to think about is the a lot of the solutions we provide, like image recognition tools to fix the product catalog attribution, color associations, um, you know, categories and attributes, you know, uh, analytics and predictive analytics through our services. It's all fixing data issues that if they'd done it right in the first place, they would not have, right? And and they, I mean, dude, I've seen like, I've seen big teams like thirty plus just dedicated to fixing problems that if they'd done it right in the first place, it, there would there'd be no issue. So what what you know, while ActionAI does not service the lower Shopify markets right now, what I would say is that um, you really want to start thinking about a data-driven organization, right? Because if you have that in place, at least when you start to leverage AI components, you're going to be, you know, 10 times more agile than the next competitor, right? So think about all the data you can capture about your customers, not PII, just think more about events. What are they doing? What are they interacting with uh, on, on a real-time basis? Um, you know, your product catalog, you, you've laid things out, you start off with 100 products, you grow up to 1,000. You know, you're selling golf tools, you've got gloves, caps, and uh, golf clubs, nine irons, drivers, whatever it is, right? So, but 
think a step deeper. What is that golf club made out of? Is it steel? Is it, you know, aluminum? Okay. Is it titanium? Um, the grit, you know, is that leather? Is it, what, what is it? Right. Like, like start to think that deep, because I'm telling you, when you get into the later stages, if you have that schema configured now, you are going to be 10 times better off and 10 times more capable when it comes to machine learning than anyone else. So that one's super interesting. So really thinking about the approach, because it seems like a lot of the brands that start up, maybe they start out with one hero product and then one hero product grows into two, grows into 10. And the next thing you know, when you're a real behemoth brand, you've got thousands of products that you're offering. But it's really interesting to think about all the different attributes about products that you want to be tracking and setting up your data infra to to scale because i think that's that's not something a lot of um you know at least my experience and talking with a bunch of e-commerce brands like a lot of them first scale and then they're like okay you know when we scale then we'll start to figure out data but like really taking approach from from the early innings and what what's a way to do that beyond just what you had just mentioned about like thinking about different attributes and way to ways to set up a schema do you have any other insights in terms of um, you know, if you were to launch an e-commerce brand, how you would be thinking about data? Um, yes. I mean, at, you know, it's funny you say this because we, we have thought about releasing an analytics version of our tool that comes with basic models that work with much smaller data sets, but it really sets the brand up to um, get the data schema configured so that they're good for the future, right? Um, and, and primarily functioning as an analytics tool, it's like super enriched off the, out of the get-go, right? Um, but, you know, like if they just really focused on what the consumer is doing in the environment, forget all the other noise, forget like third-party signals and if they're on Facebook, it's just stop thinking about that, right? Like, first of all, a lot of that data is not accurate anymore, right? If anyone hasn't noticed, anything coming from cookies these days, especially third-party, are like you cannot trust that stuff much anymore. So I would say really focus on what the consumer is doing. Just think like a retail store in person and you're a shopping person, uh, you're, you're a sales associate. What would you be looking at to sell that person? That's the data you need to be captured. Got it. So a lot of event data as well from their site, right? Like you want to be really capturing all sorts of events, maybe not just the the clicks, but also matching those events with the product attributes and everything like that, right? Big time, yeah. Don't, I mean, right now they don't need to worry about matching things as long as they have accurate records. Like, you know, things are like the the the, the time and dates on them are accurate. You should be okay. Um, but but again, you got to do both sides, right? So ideally, if you're capturing product data, you do want to enrich um, the product categories, attributes, colors, all the associative points to do with your product. As deep as you can take that, the better. Um, you know, one of our, one of our other AI tools is product catalog enrichment, right? I mean, you can use, uh, a, a really sophisticated computer vision tool that was just recently enabled a part of it through OpenAI's tech that allows you to basically pick your schema. So you can type in any schema you want, come back 24 hours later, and whether your product sets 10 or 10 million, it will associate all those components without telling it a thing. You don't need to annotate. You just say like, I mean, we've seen people typing crazy stuff like golden lion and it goes and finds the association of golden to lion finds that in the product catalog oh this t-shirt has a golden lion on it cool let's throw that into that category right and then you can next day you can look up analytics you can say golden lion uh, logo products sales in japan last week it's all there so stuff like that right 
That's really cool, uh, especially as a brand scales and the more of these attributes that maybe you weren't even being able to track before. Like like you were saying, there's there's certain things that you would track, but there's other attributes or maybe commonalities between products that you wouldn't even know. And hey, now you've got a category and that converts. So let's do more of that. Um, the next thing I kind of want to talk about um, is where do we go from here, right, in AI? I think clearly if we've seen anything in 2023, it's the fact that AI is a very real reality in every profession now um, and adopting those tools. But, you know, for purposes of the pod and what you do and what I do, let's let's just keep it in, in e-com for now. Where, where are we now? If you're an e-com team, what should you be, like, if you're not do like, if you're not doing something right now with AI, what is it and what what do you need to be doing? Like, tell me about who's like completely behind the ball if they're not implementing AI and what the bare minimum they should be doing is. Um, and then let's talk about like where what some exciting developments in the future of AI are going to bring. Yeah, I think um, in the e-com domain, um, you know, I think first and foremost, brands should be really looking for partnerships where they can learn about machine learning. Like it needs to be part of their company culture, right? Um, you just have to think about it from this regard. If you are a brand and you're building a product and you have a competitor that's very similar to you as far as market penetration, right? And, and you're, you know, let's say you're selling clothing um, and you're like, ah, hey, my competitor. What would you do if you found out that your competitor is converting like, you know, 30% higher than, right? Or that, you know, their loyalty program is literally adaptive in real time to every single customer. And it's and it's bringing back, you know, it's increasing the LTV of your sales by like massive numbers. Or the fact that you can literally dial in your product analytics down to like the metal type you've got on your product and then that's going back to the design team and you're then predicting what type of metal is going to sell in a country and then the design team is building products to suit market demand you, you, your, your time is limited dude like you 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 don't understand the amount of power these brands have that are going to leverage tools like that they're just going to take over so first and foremost is Start building a culture surrounding ML. Look for services that give you the complete configurability to deploy ML where you want it, right? Under your control. Um, and not like, and when I say this, I mean like, don't be afraid to say, hey, what model are you using behind, this, behind the, the curtain? And if they say, well, it's a trade secret, I'll, I'll just walk away. I'll be like, nope, I need to know what model you're using because I want to learn. I, I want to have a library of stuff that I can pick from and make it the right one for me, right? Um, so, so where I see this going, you know, obviously my opinion is that first of all, I mean, e-commerce is a technical subject, meaning the tech stack that e-com sits on, uh, is kind of controversial to say this, but it is an absolute, uh, insert bad word show, right? It's terrible. It, it's, it's literally a, a disaster of technology stacks sitting on top, on top of each other. Right. Um, so what I would say is, you know, start to think about how you can make your applications or your environments native, starting with the data. How, what, what data do you need to drive the right AI systems? How can you build applications and web and web pages that are natively capturing the data you need? And this is getting into, you know, like more advanced development stuff. Um, and, and then like where you can, from, from the e-commerce side, where you should be using AI to automate a job that you know 
that an AI system could be doing better than you, right? Just just call a spade a spade. You cannot talk to a million customers a day. AI systems can. So where could you be leveraging it and start walking toward, working towards implementing those systems? Um, so, and the other component to this is the data side. Like, uh, you know, privacy is like tip of the iceberg. I mean, did you see the uh, the fine Meta got hit with from European? Yeah, yeah, I just saw that. Yeah, I mean, this is unprecedented, right? Like, this is next level. Um, and, and the TLDR behind this is, guys, data does not belong to you, e-commerce people out there listening to this. It is not your data. Uh, you know, you may think it is, but it's not. So the concept here is stop thinking about what, how much data you can capture, meaning all the stuff across third-party applications and all this stuff, and just and just think about the right data you need to capture, uh, and capture it not anonymously. That's what I would say. Like to future-proof yourself, um, you need anonymized data, and you need, and and you you should only be thinking you're with your ecosystem. Stop thinking about what you can take from Facebook and Meta as far as data is concerned. Just think about what you own as a platform and the data you can grab to make things function. And again, another plug for us, just because I have to say this, because it's super important to me, is all of our systems and AI tools were designed to operate solely off of the customer's data, right? It's like a, a close, every time you spin up an account for Action AI, it just spins up the, the complete resources like a dev team would for you as a brand with your closed ecosystem, closed database, everything, right? So I really think brands should start thinking about that as like the central launch point to prepare for the AI workforce coming into the into the white collar environment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think kind of what you were talking about, about data privacy, I know a huge thing you guys do is your XGen works cookie list, right? Like it, XGen doesn't need to know who you are, doesn't have to have cookies for like what other sites you visited to make its determinations. It's just like, <laughs> it's like the shoppers showing up to the chess game and XGen's showing up to the chess game and it's like, okay, let's go. Um, so I think that's that's really cool and you guys have done a really good job there. And just as we kind of wrap up here, one last question that I'd, I'd have that I'd be super curious about is what do you look to for resources? Like if you're trying to learn more about AI, right? Like you've got all these people on Twitter talking about all this, you know, crap <laughs> pretty much popping up every day. You've got, um, there's a lot of noise in the space, right? So if you're trying to like educate yourself, learn and have good resources, are there any resources that, you found really useful for yourself or that you look to 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 tap into yeah i mean i i think i'm i'm a little bit different because i can i can study things that i think most people would not understand right so it's a little bit yeah that's what i do you know what i mean it's like you know i don't know how to design clothes but i can do that right so so what i would say is you know honestly blaine i think there's a huge gap in white space in the market for like people learning ai tools from the most i even thought about doing like a, a, a educational series on social just to help people out right like because you know the the one thing i'll say is ai may seem incomprehensible and complicated but it's really not it's 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 first of all it's not half as intelligent as people think it is which is really cracks me up um, but second of all i think that um you know like m most ML experts are like 10, 10 steps too far above the heads of the, the common, the average person who's not in that domain. Right. So I, I would think that like, you know, some basic educational process, you know, I, you know, you can obviously as demeaning as it sounds, but start Googling things like, you know, 
what is machine learning for dummies, right? And you do get better explanations. Uh, you know, I, I did that at one point in my life. You know what I mean? I've, you have to go through that. Um, but again, yeah, huge white space for education for for the everyday person in ML for sure. I completely am behind that bandwagon all day. Well, yeah, I'd be down. Maybe we can start creating some uh, some some really good educational content about it because I know it's a lot of like guys that were into crypto and now they're AI influencers and it's like, okay, slow down. But I'm really glad we got to have you on because you actually know a thing or two um, about this stuff. And, uh, you know, for anyone who's listening, where can they find out more about you, XGen? And yeah, are you on Twitter, LinkedIn? Um, where can they find out about the company? Everything. Yeah. Um, Twitter, LinkedIn, Frank Pharisee, um, Instagram, uh, companies xgen.ai pretty simple sweet well thanks for coming on um we'll have to have you back and we can break down more more in-depth ai education and every and crash course for e-commerce brands love it thank you blaine thanks for having me thanks for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed this episode of dtc pod if you enjoyed the show we'd love your support a rating and a review would go a long way as we continue to host the best builders in dtc and beyond Follow and subscribe to the show and make sure to check out our show notes where you can find our socials and weekly newsletter. Visit us on dtcpod.com to join our founder community and access resources from every episode. We'll see you on the next pod.